0: Blog
1: Talk Radio. wonder why it's happening again. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. www.yagain.org, And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is Monday, June the 20th, 2016. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169 press one, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we'd love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show, and today is Miracle Monday. Welcome, Michael.
2: Hey, Miracle Monday. Welcome, everybody. Honored, delighted, glad to have you with us. We are in the middle of a lesson from A Course in Miracles, seeing as how today is Miracle Monday, our our conversation of every day, of course, is... uh, About forgiveness, but uh, Mondays in particular is looking at the Course in Miracles perspective on forgiveness. And the lesson we've been talking about, if you want, if you've got a book there and you want to check it out, is lesson 184, and the title is "The Name of Love is My Inheritance." The word in in the course is God, but uh, we know that we're talking here about love. People have all kinds of monstrosities they've made up about god none of them true think love think the the energy field in which you live move and have your being and live in that energy field and the early part of the lesson last week if you want to check in on that you can go back to the archives and and listen to it basically this lesson starts out and tells us that we're living by symbols and you know, what is meant by that is that if I were to actually be able to see outside of me through my eyes, which I can't, I can only see what my eye has painted on the inside of it from the content that's moving inside of me. But if I could actually see out there, I would see that each person that I think is a body is a worrying mass of electrons, protons, neutrons, and light. We don't have any other words for it. What's really there? We've only got words for what's in common experience, and we're certainly not living in a world of bodies. If Einstein is correct, when he says, "On such things as matter, we have been all wrong, what we have heretofore called matter is energy energies whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses, there is no matter," then we'd realize that we'd been tricked when we look at bodies. bodies are nothing but paintings on the inside of our eyeballs that are symbols of the truth of who we're standing in front of. And the truth of who we're standing in front of is so much more. So we have symbols called bodies for everybody that we meet. And, of course, if someone shows up and resonates all kinds of wonderful things in us, then we produce hallucinations of wonderful bodies that we say i love them they're wonderful and if they happen to resonate something negative in us and we put that negative content into the picture in our minds the body then we say oh that person is terrible this is what led yeshua to say you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother what does that mean well If you think your brother is a body and you have a picture in your mind and you say, and you did this, you are so wrong here. The wrong you're looking at comes from the content of your own mind projected into your brain's image of your brother, into the body that you think is out there. Your brother isn't a body. He's a worrying mass of energy and who knows what else, the active presence of love and light. And so if I put something that I've denied and dissociated from inside myself, the person I dislike is a symbol of that which I don't want to deal with. Now, that can be a hard pill to swallow because, of course, isn't there always somebody go, oh, I just grit my teeth when I'm around them? Guess what? The teeth gritting is about you. It's not about them. Oh, yeah, but the tone of voice they have. Yeah, the tone of voice resonates something and you paint a picture from your content and when you realize it's your content, it's your opportunity to be relieved of that. And instead of having them as a symbol of what you've hidden from yourself, you get to awaken from that and remove that, forgive that, which never belonged in you. And then, of course, there are symbols of symbols, which we'll talk about in just a little while. So that lesson goes through and shows us that, Reality is the world of pictures that we think we're looking at out there when in fact we're looking at once again the pictures painted on the inside of our eyeballs and that that's only the course here specifically says this is the way reality is made by partial vision purposely set against the truth and its enemy is wholeness when wholeness when the absolute full awesome presence of love threatens to come in it begins to disassemble those things that we thought were true and that's not necessarily a pleasant place to be if you think that you're right and so this is the what the world teaches us that that we're looking out through our eyes at a whole world out there and of course Everything that we feel that's painful is about somebody or something that's going on in the world, and it's their fault. And so we broke off the lesson around that idea, and the next paragraph we're looking into is the one that starts out, this is the sum. And so what what the course is telling us here is that our realities are very limited and that that's all that, the world between our ears can give us. So this is a sum of the inheritance the world bestows, And everyone who learns to think that it is so accepts the signs and symbols that assert the world is real. Now, remember, we referred to the lesson, What is the World? And if you'd like to get a, a little more insight into it, there are two ways to do that. There is a mini lesson on A Course in Miracles on our YouTube site. If you go to our website, www.whyagain.org, over on the right-hand side, you'll see three or four social media links. The bottom one is uh, YouTube. If you click on that, you'll be on our YouTube channel. And look down the list, and you'll see a, uh, a, a thumbnail picture with an image of the planet on it, you know, the blue shot of the planet from space. And the title of it is ACIM, What is the World, What is Forgiveness?, If you watch that, it's a 38-minute presentation where I kind of do a mini lesson of what is the world. We're getting ready to come out with a new DVD, which will be a two-hour lesson of what is the world. I believe that's one of the most misunderstood and misapplied lessons in the course, and perhaps one of the most important lessons in the course. And so what is the world? The world is false perception. This is the sum of the inheritance that the world gives us. And we, when it speaks here of the signs and symbols that assert that that world is real. So there is an actual world the creator created, the world of human beings, not of bodies, of these energy systems that function as a connected part of the whole. When we've been brainwashed into believing that those symbols are the truth of what's going on, then we insist that the world we see must be out there, and it must be real. And if the world we're seeing, and the more one is in hostility and fear, the more one will insist that they're right and that that world is out there, the more they insist out of their hostility and fear, the more they resonate, the more they set up the energies of hostility or fear that draw to them the results of the hostile or fearful body that is energy system that will play out with them what it is that they haven't dealt with and so you'll notice that the world will send you a whole procession of people so you're finished with an issue there's going to be a whole procession of people that will show you the content of your mind how will you know if you're in pain that the content of your mind is yours you're in pain that's all you need to know that's your content and so this Unreal world becomes the reality for most people, and most never wake up for it. And so this lesson goes on and says, it is this for which they stand. In other words, people stand up for This is the truth about the world, and, and it's out there, never realizing that the world of perception, the world of false realities that they hold, literally sprays a quality of energy on those people around them, Based upon what's moving inside of the individual So if hostility or fear is moving Then we are literally, energetically High energy waves leave us That spray that hostility or fear On the people around us And so people wonder Why people are so nasty to them Well, not many people Even though they're not conscious perhaps Of what's happening Like to have hostility or fear sprayed on them If you've ever sat with someone who's in that space, or you've watched someone, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Nobody likes to have that sprayed on them. And it's interesting, people call it a miracle when this person who yesterday was so nasty all of a sudden is loving to them, and what came between yesterday and today was forgiveness. And so if I notice that I'm uncomfortable around someone and I engage in forgiveness, I get to dissolve, remove, the energy of discomfort for me when that discomfort, let's say in this case, it's hostility is gone from me. All of a sudden I can replace that energy that I'm spraying on this person with love. And people tend to respond a lot differently when you're spraying love on them than when you're spraying hostility on them. So people say, what a miracle. Look at how they changed. Well, it's miraculous in that it happens, but it's really not all that miraculous when you understand it. Spray hostility or fear on people and all you have to do to spray hostility or fear on someone is perceive them through your own hostility or fear. How can you tell it's yours? You're feeling it. Shift that, forgive that, remove that, and you get free of it. So the average person, you know, that's that's it. I stand for this truth, that it's all about them. And they leave no doubt that what is named is there. It can be seen, as anticipated. And what denies it is true is but illusion for my hostility projected onto you is the ultimate reality. I know that it's about you because I'm feeling it. And, of course, the world has got it backward. And so people who live in that space, of course, here says, to question it is madness. To question that it's all somebody else's fault, according to what we call the non-being mind, is madness. And to accept its presence is proof of sanity. And, and of course, that's one of the games that the the non-being mind will play is it will gather people who live in its resonance and attempt to convert them to the belief that, yes, don't you see Charlie, Harry, Bill, or Mary is the problem in our lives? It's not our fault. Well, yeah, we've been through this 87 different times with 42 different people. Well, yeah, I didn't know Charlie, Larry, Bill, or Mary Five years ago when I was experiencing this But that was Hortense and Jane and, and, and on goes the story And so this Such is the teaching of the world And it's a phase of learning That everyone who comes must go through But the sooner he perceives On what it rests How questionable its premises How doubtful its results The sooner does he question its effects so once you start to suspect and, and you know there's an interesting principle presented in the course that that says that the mind can only show you what you give it permission to show you and if the only thing you've ever given been given per, been giving your mind permission to show you is it's all their fault and how do you give your mind permission to show you something your language your words so if you grew up in a culture where somebody was always looking at you and telling you what was wrong with you and how you made them mad, you made them sad, you made them afraid, then their minds have been given permission to show them their hostility or fear embodied in their brain's image of your, what they call your body. If that was the environment you were brought up in, then the tendency will be to go by those permissions, and every time there's hostility or fear moving in you, you'll say, you made me mad, you made me sad, you made me afraid, you have a problem. And, of course, if they're the one with the problem, why are you the one with the pain? Something about that doesn't make sense. Why are you the one with the disease or the distortion? Because what you're feeling is a reflection of what's moving inside of you. So what the course advises is start to question this. So the sooner one perceives on what this insanity rests, how questionable are its premises, How doubtful its results, the sooner does he question its effects. Learning that stops with what the world would teach, that is, that you're the problem in my life, stops short of meaning. That is, will never give us a true experience of what's possible. In its proper place, it serves but as a starting point from which another kind of learning can begin. A new perception can be gained, and all the arbitrary names the world bestows can be withdrawn as they are raised to doubt. So we, we live by symbols. We have bodies. And I call this one Bill. And that name, that word, is a symbol that I have for what I call Bill's body. What is Bill's body? Bill's body is a picture in my mind, a symbol that I create of what Bill resonates in me and by putting it into my brain's image of Bill or my child or my parent or my spouse or my neighbor or my government, by putting it into my brain's image of them, I get to present pretend that they're the cause of my trauma and my pain. So I have a symbol and then when I name it, I've got a word that is a symbol of a symbol. And so most people are living in this world of symbols of symbols. So what the course is saying here is that a whole new perception can be gained, and all the arbitrary names that the world bestows can be withdrawn as they are raised to doubt. So what would language look like then? What would knowledge look like? Well, we're in a transition phase. It's hard to tell people the truth. It's hard for people to comprehend in the daily intercourse of life when I say, well, you know, I recognize that you and I are really connected in one, I say to the person who thinks I'm enemy and they're like, oh, what are you talking about? We're one. I've got no part of you. You are the, mm-hmm. what have I become? I become the symbol of their pain and they put their pain into their brains image of me and a body that they think is me shows up causing them pain. And so this is a whole world that exists called perception. You know, if you go to that lesson on what is the world, The opening line is so simple. Another place in the course where it says cannot fail, but to be totally understood. So that world of pictures is a world of symbols. And you made that world, but underneath it is the true world created by the creator. Now, One of the things I've observed over the years is that many people try to apply forgiveness to a world that they think is out there when in fact they're looking at a world between their ears. You'll notice how often the course says the world you see, the world you see, the world you see. The world you see is a testament to the content of your mind. It is not a testament to what's going on in the world. And, If there is aberrant content in the world you see, that means there's aberrant content in your mind. Denial, that is thinking or speaking, as though somebody else is responsible for what you're feeling and your content leads you to dissociating from that content and therefore being condemned to repeating it over and over and over and over ad nauseum until finally you start to go, hmm, 87 different times with 42 different people. I wonder, I wonder if this is my content. I wonder if the reason I'm feeling this over and over and over in every circumstance is because that's what's inside of me. So we make this picture world of illusions, and it's interesting, the word illusion in Aramaic does not mean something that doesn't exist as the words generally used in this culture. The word illusion the root of it is measured. You Remember Yeshua 2,000 years ago said, as you measure, it will be measured unto you. In other words, if I measure hostility into my field, I put an energy in that's off the mark. When somebody comes along and resonates that, I will measure that into my brain's image of them, and my illusion, my picture of them, my false image of them will be measured back to me in this World that I think is out there But is really between my ears This world of bodies So the course here reminds us Because many people talk about You know you made the world You didn't make the world Not the capital W world Yes you made the lowercase world And that's the world of illusions The world of the things You've had measured into your field Whether it's genetic or through your own Environmental experience Those things that have been measured will be measured back to you again. And so, of course, cautions here, think not you made the world. Illusions, yes. But what is true in earth and heaven is beyond your naming. In other words, the world outside of you is the actuality created by the creator. The illusions are the overlays that we put on top of that world. When you call upon a brother, and this is in the normal intercourse of life, when you call upon a brother, it is to his body that you make appeal. His true identity is hidden from you by what you believe he really is. In other words, if you think he's a body, then you can't experience who he actually is. And once the the veil of this insane perceptual system Falls away even for a moment or two, the magnificence of this person that stands before you is beyond comprehension. The magnificence cannot be conceived by the little mind of the world of illusions. So it goes on to say, when you call upon a brother, it is to his body that you make appeal. His true identity is hidden from you by what you believe he really is. His body makes response to what you call him, for his mind consents to take the name you give him as his own. And thus his unity is twice denied, for you perceive him separate from you, and he accepts his separate name as his. I love how Einstein uh, shares with us, if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion. You can't extract from everyone else if you want to. The ancient teachings called this the mystical body of Christ. How do you understand when your eye sees a space, and we talked earlier in the lesson, a space between you and that other person? Obviously, you're disconnected. But if you could alter the rate of, of vibration at which your eye receives information, you'd see that you're tied together. You can't extract from anyone else. And the enemy to your separate perception is wholeness. If you could but drop that for an instant, of course refers to the holy instant. If you could drop into that the truth of that connectedness, it would wipe so much out of your memory bank, but if you stand around and you must insist that that's the way it is, my pain is caused by them and there's nothing else to say about it, then your evidential mind, when the course talks about evidence forever indirect, your evidential mind will prove to you that they're the problem in your life. So then this next two paragraphs in the course for me, over the years, and working with the course for, I don't know, 30-plus years, these two paragraphs are the most powerful two paragraphs, not the most information-packed, but energetically, for me, experientially, have been the two most powerful paragraphs in the whole course. For a period of time, and you know, it's so many years ago now, it's probably 25, 26 years ago, that I read these two paragraphs, and and when I would begin reading the first paragraph, I would instantly go into a totally altered state. I mean, it was really wild. It was just like, bingo, all of a sudden, there was nothing that fit my normal world in the energy or the experience of these two paragraphs. And that went on for a significant period of time. I don't really recall now how long it was, whether it was a week, a month, two months but every and I keep going back to these two paragraphs I'd be rolling along and doing my day and all of a sudden I'd be in this totally altered state and so see what impact these two paragraphs have on you I'm just going to read them straight through as they are it would indeed be strange if you were asked to go beyond all symbols of the world forgetting them forever but were asked to take a teaching function You have need to use the symbols of the world a while. But be you not deceived by them as well. They do not stand for anything at all. And in your practicing, it is this thought that will release you from them. So what are the symbols it's talking about? Bodies, words. We need to use those things at this stage of our lack of development. Then it goes on and says... But be you not deceived by them as well. They do not stand for anything at all. And your practicing is this thought that will release you from them. They become but means by which you can communicate in ways the world can understand, but which you recognize as not the unity where true communication can be found. So you'll use the symbols of the world, and there'll be a specific reason for using those symbols. And the reason has to do with letting loose of the belief in those words and what they've come to mean and opening the space for a different perception. So the next paragraph, that second most impactful paragraph for me, goes on and says, and by the way, it was interesting because after that time period, I mean, every time I would open the book and go to that, and I would do it often, I'd go into this totally Altered energy state, and then one day I picked the book up, and they were just words on the page. It's like whatever the vibration of these words, and I see the course being written so powerfully that it creates an energy vibration that puts us into process. And then one day I picked it up, and it was like, oh, they're just just two more paragraphs in the in the text didn't didn't have any particular impact. So that's what you need: are intervals each day in which the learning of the world becomes a transitory phase a prison house from which you go into the sunlight and forget the darkness here you understand the word the name which love has given you the one identity which all things share the one acknowledgment of what is true and then step back to darkness in other words you got to take time every day to get quiet and be in that space where you are literally inviting the active presence of love functioning in every cell of your structure. And you take time to be with that and to pay attention to that. Let go of your busyness at least for a little while and take time to be with that and invite that energetic presence to become more and more prevalent in your life. So he says so you go into the sunlight and forget the darkness. Here you understand the word, the name which love has given you, the one identity which all things share, the one acknowledgement of what is true and then you step back to darkness not because you think it's real but only to proclaim it's unreality in terms which still have meaning in the world that darkness rules. So you use the signs and symbols of the world, but instead of using them to affirm to yourself how true and right they are and how you've got to convince somebody else they're true and right, you use them to dissolve the belief in them. You use those signs and symbols of the world to explain that, and, and that's basically what I'm doing right now, to explain that everything we've been taught, you know, it's, it's kind of like we've got this, Let's let's use a metaphor. Let's imagine that the creation is 500 billion pieces large. It would be probably relatively accurate to say that all of humanity to date has put together 5,000 pieces of the puzzle, max. All of our history, all of our stories, all of the wars, all of the... Kings, all of the queens, all of the teachers, all of the intellects, together have assembled a story about five thousand pieces of the puzzle. The stories vary, somebody sees it this way and somebody sees it that way, but it's based on five thousand pieces of the puzzle. And you know, when we come into the world, we're connected with the whole five hundred billion piece puzzle. We are experiencing the ecstasy of that connectedness and every cell of our structure is in pure bliss and ecstasy. And then piece by piece, we're torn out of that and forced into a world based in hostility and fear. you got to be in the real world, you know, to be safe. And those who live in that so-called real world have no idea that, Every frequency they set themselves up with out of hostility and fear is setting themselves up for attack. So you use the signs and symbols that the world uses, but to help people to build the brain cells for knowing that's not the truth. I mean, that is a truth based on 5,000 pieces of the puzzle, but guess what? There's a 500 billion piece jigsaw puzzle out there that will teach you the real truth. insist that you're going to remain connected to the 5000 piece story whichever aspect of it you've chosen to engage in then there's not room in your mind for the larger creation to teach you you know the physicists tell us that every molecule in the universe is in continuous communication with every other molecule in the universe what do you suppose would happen if you use forgiveness to collapse your stories from your 9 bit mind and you were to choose to live in the 500 billion piece puzzle not knowing but willing to be taught. Willing to be shown. Willing to experience yourself instead of as this picture in your mind of a body that you call by your name and think you are that has your pains and your dramas and your traumas and your genetic histories and your insanity and your fun and your aliveness and your skills. What if you were to drop that and that's what forgiveness empowers you to do and just be empty-handed, empty-headed and let the whole creation teach you. know, if the physicists are correct that every molecule in the universe is in continuous communication with every other molecule in the universe, does that mean there are actual energies coming from molecules in space that touch us with their energy? Does that mean that I could be aware of and experience myself and life through that whole communication from that energy field? Rather being stuck in my 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle story? If you look at the ancient teachings, they told us that the creator, love, was omnipresent. Omnipresent means in every corner and aspect of the universe. And then they told us that the Creator sent out his spirit. Actually in Aramaic it's his breath. Do you suppose that it might be that the energy being radiated, has physics found the spirit of God? Do you suppose that the energy radiating from every molecule in the universe to every other molecule is that energy moving that was called the spirit? And then if we yield ourselves to that we'll have access to a world that is so far beyond our comprehension and I assure you that that world is made of and fully connected to the active presence of love and it will teach you what that world means So those two paragraphs were pretty powerful for me. And what I'd like to do at this moment, I just have the thought that I'm going to read through those two paragraphs once again without stopping. Just just let yourself take a breath and get quiet and just see what experience you have. It would indeed be strange if you were asked to go beyond all symbols of the world, forgetting them forever, yet were asked to take a teaching function. You have need to use the symbols of the world a while, but be you not deceived by them as well. They do not stand for anything at all, and in your practicing it is this thought that will release you from them. They become but means by which you can communicate in ways the world can understand, but what you recognize is not the unity where true communication can be found. Thus what you need are intervals each day, in which the learning of the world becomes a transitory phase, a prison house from which you go into the sunlight and forget the darkness. Here you understand the word, the name which God has given you, the one identity which all things share, the one acknowledgement of what is true, and then step back to darkness, not because you think it real, but only to proclaim its unreality in terms which still have meaning in the world that darkness rules. And just let yourself breathe with that for a moment. It's an interesting film if you have the space to see it, if it's available in your town. It's called The Man Who Knew Infinity. True story. And it's about a young Indian man from India who has virtually zero education and sees the world in terms of mathematics and is so taken with this mathematics that he almost doesn't live anything else except his math and his formulas. And he's has no, like, zero formal math training. He's trying to get a job in India, and everybody thinks he's a fool. He takes his math books, and he wants to work for people who are engaged in the world of accounting or in math, and they look at him, and they're like, well, tell me your education. What school did you go to, and where where did you get your degree? Oh, I don't have a degree. No, I've never been to school, but look at what I've got here. And nobody would look at it. Finally, he applies for a job, and the man who he applies to looks at his math and and has enough of a a math brain to realize he's got his hands on something. So he hires him. And without giving away the whole film, I'll just say that this man uneducated in math ends up going to, uh, I forget which school it was, but one of the um, highest level schools in England and is inducted into their math department, and everybody, you know, the standard professors kind of blow him off, because, you know, he's an uneducated, ignorant, and in in that culture at that time, this is back in the 1800s, he's black, you know, he's a a blackie, and, and therefore, you know, totally unacceptable. They're like, what is he even doing in our school? And yet, He's genius beyond any of their comprehension. They can't even start to figure out what he's talking about. He's so far beyond them. Until finally he gets the attention. He has one man who stands up for him and he gets the attention of another man who's dissed him all the way. And all of a sudden the stuff that this guy's been working on for years, this kid sits down and goes, Oh, here's that. Just shows it to him. And he's so blown away. And no education, no formal training. To me, this documents so powerfully that there's a whole other world of perception available to us. It's interesting that this young man, whose math is over a hundred years old, is a math that they're now using to understand black holes at the deepest levels of how the universe operates. There's a whole other world available to us, and education told you, no, this is what's right. This is what's true. Here's how you think. Here's what you think about. And here's your purpose. Folks, what if all that is totally and completely false? What if there's a direct link to the whole Universe and every molecule will teach you. And as you breathe into that thought, how different could your life or would your life be if you were listening to that? If you took those intervals each day, you broke down what you've been brainwashed with. What if you didn't accept? These names and symbols that delineate the world of darkness as your reality, that you could engage in them but know that they weren't the truth. The Course says, Rukadikudshya, that elemental force in you, uses all of those worlds. But does not forget the creation is one name, one meaning, one single source which unifies all things within itself. Use all the names the world bestows of them on them, but for convenience, yet do not forget they all share the name of love with you. This lesson then goes on to say that the Creator has no name. And yet his name becomes the final lesson that all things are one. And at this lesson does all learning end. All names are unified. All space is filled with truth's reflection. Every gap is closed and separation healed. The name of love is the inheritance he gave to those who chose the teaching of the world to take the place of heaven. In our practicing, our purpose is to let our minds accept what the Creator has given us as the answer to the pitiful inheritance that you made fitting as a tribute to the offspring, the sons and daughters that are cherished. No one can fail who seeks the meaning of the name of love Experience must come to supplement the word. But first, you must accept the name for all reality and realize the many names you gave its aspects have distorted what you see. They have not interfered with the truth at all. You know, people go through experiences and they say, after what happened to me, could I ever recover fully? After the terrible thing I did, could I ever really be whole? Nothing interferes with truth. Nothing that we do in this separated game has any impact there whatsoever. So the the world has been distorted by what you see, but it's never interfered with the truth. One name we bring into our practicing, one name we use to unify our sight. And although we use a different name for each awareness of an aspect of the offspring of God, that is, I call you Charlie and him, Bill, and her Mary, we understand that they have but one name, which he has given them. And we share that name. It is this name we use in practicing. And through its use, all foolish separations disappear, which kept us blind. And we are given strength to see beyond them, Now, our sight is blessed with blessings we can give as we received. So, as you're able to accept and live in the ecstasy of a world where hostility and fear has been dissolved and there's just pure presence of love, then beyond all the little things that you've been taught to hold on to to hurt yourself, you realize there is a world of beauty, of truth, of sweetness, where the presence of love rules. So once we receive that blessing, we can give it. So the lesson ends with a a conversation directed at the creator. It says, creator, our name is yours. In it, we are united with all living things and you who are their one creator. What we made and called by many different names is but a shadow we've tried to cast across your own reality. And we are glad and thankful we were wrong. All our mistakes we give to you that we may be absolved from all effects our errors seem to have and we accept the truth you give in place of every one of them your name is what allows us to escape from what we have made your name unites us in the oneness which is our inheritance and peace and I join each of you in being able to with all that your mind does and all the content of your mind and your life and your genetics and all this stuff you can get into to at least give yourself a little time each day to invite the active presence of love to teach you, to provide you with an experience and a connectedness that goes beyond all understanding of the world of darkness. It's your inheritance to do so. And no matter what you've done and no matter what's happened, your inheritance is one thousand percent impact and just waiting for you to say, I accept it. And so that's our lesson for Miracle Monday. And what your true name is. And so Jeannie, is Dr. Tim with us?
1: He is and he's on.
2: Well, let's say hello to the young man. How are you, sir?
0: I'm doing quite well, thank you. I love this lesson. Those two paragraphs had
2: such an impact. It was just amazing for me, way back when.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to unravel. And and lots of different things were triggered for me as you were reading. But right there at the end when you said uh, the world of darkness what resonates for me there is that that world of darkness is a very simple term meaning whatever it is that I don't yet see clearly and or whatever it is that I turn away from because I don't want to look at it within myself. And and it's been so loaded in our various cultures over the years to mean the boogeyman and satan as an evil entity and the forces that want to pull me down and but the world of darkness as you said it just then struck me as simply every misperception i have and any part of my own belief system or structure that i refuse to look at any memories that i refuse to accept it's a very simple concept It is. It's all, you know. It's
2: one of the thoughts in, in my book is the one of to a complex mind, truth is complicated. To a simplified mind, truth is pretty simple, and that's pretty much the simple bottom line. It was interesting in this film the um, uh, the man who saw infinity his the man who invites him to uh, to whatever university is it's Cambridge or one of the, one of the major English universities back in the eighteen hundreds invites him um, is an atheist and he, he keeps asking where are you getting this stuff how are you doing this he looks at it, and he's just like so blown away there's one kind of cool scene where he says well you know you have to provide the proofs I, I don't know if you had this happen to you in school but I can remember that I would come up and it was particularly in math I would come up with an answer to the problem and they'd say well but how did you get that and I would say, well, uh, I don't know. I just, you know, there it is. There's the answer. Well, but if you can't do the long division the way we did it, the way, if you can't write all that out, it doesn't matter whether you got the right answer. We're we're not going to accept it. You have to go through this process. And, you know, I mean, here they are at this university, and, and this kid's saying, but that doesn't make any sense. This is just the way it is. And the guy's like this this, you know, world-renowned mathematician at the time is like, but how do you get this stuff? And he said, God gives it to me. And this guy's atheist. He looks at him like, are you crazy? He's like, but I, I don't want to bother with your proofs. All I want to do is get this down on paper because this is what I've been told it is. And, and I want to fill. I mean, it's just such a, a powerful testament to the fact that there's a whole other world available if we'll just let ourselves tap into it and and he says you know I just want to get God's words right and of course the language is that of math I just want to get it right I'm not interested in your proofs I'm not interested in in what these mediocre minds want I just want to get this right so that I'm expressing what I've been told to express it's it's really a sweet film really sweet so powerful and there's some insanity in it too of course that's i'll leave that to the intrigue side of it
0: well i was over the weekend i was riding a bike and listening to old radio shows that are on my phone and <clears throat> one came up from i think it was a year ago in april and um somebody was saying that their understanding was that michael is so enlightened that the regular events in the world don't bother him anymore. That's why he has to go to movies to get stuff stirred up. <laughs> okay. And um, you know, it, it, the point was made that that's a, a very a decided misperception on the part of that individual, and that yes, you, Michael and Jeannie, um, simply understand that rather than wait for life to come along and serve up yet another thing that's going to trigger them, they can go into the relatively safe environment of the theater and let the little flickerings of light and sounds on the screen and the speakers stir things up for them that then they can do the worksheets to dismantle the old issues it's got nothing to do with feeling that they're so enlightened that nothing in the world bothers them anymore it simply has to do with the recognition that there's a lot of work to do and there are various ways to do it i can wait until life has come along and bonked me in the head or i can be an active engaging in the process to dismantle things using the tools i have and no, there's always more to do.
2: And, and of course anybody who wants to believe that I'm so enlightened would just need to talk to my family to get a different perspective.
0: <laughs> yeah, well and you know, the the part of it is we're <clears throat> we're trained into this process of comparison.
2: Yeah.
0: And and so comparison's always going to lead us to that bitter fruit called acquisition. And um, and since nothing of value can be added unto me and nothing of value can be taken from me, whenever I'm into the game of comparison and acquisition, it's going to be a very bitter existence. It's hollow. It's, you know, as soon as I acquire something because I think it's going to give me um, safety or happiness, then once I get it, no matter how hard I had to work to get it, as soon as I get it, now I've got to be afraid that I might lose it. So the very thing I thought was going to give me happiness and security now becomes the seed of my fear. How how can that work? Well, it can only work in an insane system, in that dark world system, and in the dark of what I don't see accurately and or what I refuse to accept about myself. But as you're saying, if I can accept my true name, if I can accept that that's the same as everyone else, if I can see that everything that tries to tell me that I'm separate or separated from anyone or anything is an optical delusion, and then if I can apply the tools like forgiveness to remove the seeds of that optical delusion, that's all that's needed. So anyway, just some brain cells firing for me. Cool. Well, let's check
2: with Jeannie and see if there are any brain cells firing for anyone else. We might have a hand up in the phone queue or, uh, or in the chat, something happening in the chat room. Sweetie?
1: Uh, everybody's just listening in the chat room, but uh, on the switchboard, we have had a hand up, and they've disappeared. So if you are still out there, press 1, and that will put you back up. So,
2: someone had a hand up. We've got. Let's see what we'll we've got.
1: Got about five minutes.
2: Yeah, five minutes. So there's time for a good conversation. And if there are no hands up, then what I'd like to do is just briefly talk about the solution to the dilemma behind. You know, this lesson skips through the work pretty quickly and says there's something else that you can be experiencing. But then, of course, the question becomes, well, how do I do that? How do I get there? I want to be there yesterday. Well, let me just assure you that unless you're a very rare individual, you're not going to be there yesterday. You are not going to be freed of listening to the voices of a thousand generations And believing their lies, their hostilities and fears, and be free of that overnight. Again, now I I, I won't say it's impossible, but highly unlikely. It's a process. And the process happens primarily through forgiveness. The Course talks about without forgiveness, I will remain blind. Forgiveness is the single-edged sword. There's one tool that will dissolve the world as you see it and give you a direct experience of this world of wholeness. And the forgiveness tool is totally backward from what you would think would produce results for you. You're not going to figure it out. You're not going to go, oh, now I understand it. It's actually kind of like, I think it was, I forget who it was, one of the great artists, maybe Michelangelo. And they said, how How do you create, I believe it was you know, around the statue of David, how do you create such a magnificent statue? And he says, I see what isn't David and I chip it away. Hostility and fear is no part of your inherent nature. When you see who you are as love, when you realize, and if you forget that, just hold a newborn child and have the experience of how you came into the world, you came into the world as this absolute purity of love, then what happens is you begin to chip away. What is not you? What is not you is everything that you believe about you. What is not true is everything you believe about the world that's based in hostility and fear. And of course, as this lesson says, whoever denies that the and asserts that the signs and symbols of the world are not true, I mean, look at... Look at that attack that just happened in Orlando. Certainly there are people out there to attack us. Well, you're right. There will always be people who, if you're asking for attack, will bring you attack. If there's energy of self-deprecation and self-I'm-not-deserving and I need to be attacked, and someone will always play that out. That doesn't mean that they're not going to be held accountable for their behavior. Certainly they are. It doesn't mean that one is to blame if attack comes to them. It simply means it's a participatory world. And as living in a participatory world, I realize that, you know, as Yeshua said, as I receive, I ask. As I ask, I receive. It's It's a correlation. And so is the person who delivers that attack to me to blame for the attack being in my space? No, there's a part of me that plays out and brings everything to me, especially if I'm asking the question, why is this happening to me again? And they're responsible for their behavior and, and certainly need to be held accountable for the behavior. But I need to look at the part of me that plays into that and begin to question all the signs and symbols that assert the world is real, be willing to forgive them, and come back to the truth of being, this awesome act of presence of love. At the best year yet of your eternal life, it's an awesome gift to give the world blessings.